0: DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I am delighted to be joined by Mark Hart, who is Executive Vice President for Life Teen International, as well as an award-winning author, popular speaker, and host of the Sirius XM Catholic radio show, Fired Up. His weekly podcast and DVD Bible study resources have helped Catholics of all ages to read and study scripture. With Mark Hart, we go inside the pages of Behold the Mystery, a deeper understanding of the Catholic Mass, published by Word Among Us Press. Mark Hart, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, Chris, it's always my pleasure. My sister in Christ, how are you?
0: I'm filled with joy because I've just read Behold the Mystery, A Deeper Understanding of the Catholic Mass, and now I'm about to purchase so many other copies so I can pass it out to others. This is a wonderful book. Thank you so much, Mark.
1: Oh my goodness, I'm so humble. Thank you. You know, it's, you know, when you write a book, you just really hope something good's going to happen. It's, it's sort of akin to sending your kids off to college. Like, okay, I've done my part. Now go do something good and make me proud. You know, like I hope something good happens. So I'm, I'm really, really hoping that it blesses uh, the church in some small way
0: the beauty of it is that you're able to get right to the root of each wonderful mystery. And it, the Eucharist and that celebration of the Mass, it's at the heart of our Catholic spirituality, isn't it?
1: It's, it's everything. I mean, you know, it's, it's great when the Vatican Council can say, well, it's the source and the summit, you know. And, and we mm-hmm. say, yes, it's the source and the summit of the faith. But those are two very deep terms. I mean, our church is saying that everything we are, everything she gives us flows from the altar and, and ought to flow back to the altar. And it's, it's so much more than just a quote-unquote Sunday thing that this is what we're designed for, that, that we're designed for God. You know, we're designed for worship. We're designed for Mass. And I'll, I'll be the first one to out myself, put my hand up and say, for most of my Catholic life, even my adult Catholic life, that was not the way I approached Mass. That was not, that's not what I saw. That's not what I experienced in Our Lady of Whatever, in Wherever's Villa, mm-hmm. Wherever. You know, that many of us have that experience. We go to Mass dutifully, religiously. Maybe many of us are very, in, maybe we're very into the liturgy. But maybe for, for many of us, it's, it's all we can do just to make it through. We're trying to corral kids. We're trying to stay focused. I mean, let's be honest, we're in an overstimulated culture where there's constantly screens and constantly you know just noise and so now to 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 walk away from that kind of that kind of busyness and frenetic pace to walk into a church which is oftentimes it it feels a lot uh, almost too quiet from what mm-hmm. we're accustomed to in in our in our in our lives i mean we fill our lives with noise sometimes on purpose sometimes it's just what happens it's not our choice. But then to walk into an environment that can be so quiet, and then to surround ourselves in a very close space with people we may or may not know, and then to enter into this language that, that doesn't necessarily fall off our lips if theology is a second language, and to enter into this mystery. And that, that's where I think a lot of us go wrong. The Mass is a mystery. The Trinity is a mystery. Our faith is a mystery, and our church celebrates the mystery. And we live in a culture that doesn't do that. We live in a culture that says, solve the mystery. And that's why, that's where the the title came from, and that's what the hope of the book is, is to say, but if we take a second look, if we look at things with the eyes of heaven, mass really comes to life. And mass is is not just intriguing, it's exciting. And we're not supposed to solve them. The mass is not a mystery to be solved. The mass is a mystery to behold.
0: Well, that's the thing. There's nothing ordinary about it, even that day Sunday. I, I mean, in the book, you help us to appreciate not just the the workings of the Mass itself, but that we really wouldn't have the Mass if we didn't have the Sabbath first.
1: Exactly. The whole—when we go all the way back to the beginning, you know, sometimes we, we want to dismiss the beginnings of Genesis as, well, they're not, they're not biblically accurate. They're not accurate. I mean, God didn't create the world in six days. And we forget that our Church teaches— that the writers of Genesis were not trying to give us a how that God created. They're not trying, they, weren't, they weren't trying to write a scientific textbook, even back in the day. But the narrative structure they used through allegory, what the writers of Genesis were trying to communicate to us was not the how of creation, but the why. Why did God create us? Because we come from love, for love, to love. We, are, we come from the love of God. And when God creates... Everything has purpose, and when God commands us to rest, it's not because he's tired of creating. It's not, well, I spun Saturn into existence, and then I made penguins, and boy, i got to put my feet up on my divine ottoman. That's not what God's doing. When God rests, he he gives us the Sabbath rest because we need it. Because we need to enter into rest, not just physically, but spiritually. We need to enter into and rest on him. Almost like like St. John, the beloved disciple, resting upon Christ's breast at the Last Supper. We need to rest in God. We need to find our, our peace in God, our strength in God. How much different our Mondays look if our Sundays were spent not just at Mass, but really entering into our time with family really resting in the Lord, not catching up on everything else that has to be done. And when God designs the cosmos and God creates, when the Creator creates, it's supposed to point us back to the Creator. And He ordains all of creation to the Sabbath. He ordains all of creation. Everything is directed to the Sabbath so we would have this communion of intimacy with God. That's what He desires most for us, not because He needs it, because
0: we do. Yeah, it is stunning when you put it that way. I mean, even that appreciation, sometimes you have to just shut your eyes and imagine yourself that you're up on that holy mountain. Oh my That's goodness, so
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because because even though you might be at, you know, Our Lady of perpetual help, you know, in whatever's Grove, Ohio, or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, you might feel like, I'm just in a small suburban parish. We have, you know, several hundred families, and we have Father, you know, O'Callahan. and even though we see this priest and we see this church, what we're forgetting is, is that that's not what's happening, that, that every Mass, regardless of what your parish looks like, whether you like the artwork or don't, whether you connect with the priest or don't, whether the music's good or isn't, every Mass is still this mountaintop experience, because, all of the other things are all the signs and the symbols all the created things they're supposed to point us back to the creator but we're not the ones doing the work at mass God is you know the same way um, you know like we, we sort of we set the table we, we, we put out the food but God's the one who feeds us God's the one doing the work we're just trying to get out of his way you know, we're trying to we're trying to create a, a moment an environment where, where God can do his thing where we can receive God doing his thing but the mass is about God not us and it was so interesting when you go back in Scripture, and that's what I try to do in Behold the Mystery. When you go back in Scripture and you see that the Mass, in and of itself, its roots are all the way back, way back in the Old Testament, way back in Genesis and Exodus. That's where the roots of the Mass are. The Mass was not a bunch of, a bunch of old codgers with big, tall hats sitting in Rome saying, hey, what should we do when we get together on the weekend? The Mass was God's idea. I mean, when we worship in the Mass, we're worshiping the way that God tells us he wants to be worshiped and tells us that we ought to worship, all the way down to the vestments, to uh, to the candles, to the order of the prayers, to the fact that it's rooted in a meal. I mean, everything everything in our church architecture, everything in the liturgy, all has biblical roots. And they were given to us not by man, but by God himself.
0: Is it because we haven't had that, that type of formation in our understanding all this, to begin with, Mark, that we try— or in our heads, we think we need to make changes. Well, this seems boring, so I, we, we should make this change and do that thing, and to, you know, to jazz it up or to make it more somber. I, I'm not sure. Why is it we just we don't appreciate the ritual the way it stands as it is? I,
1: I think for a couple of reasons. I think that, uh, as I said a little bit earlier in the segment, I, I think we're overstimulated as a culture. I personally think. We have been conditioned—not even necessarily that we seek it—but we've been conditioned now, you know, to, to, to such a um, frenetic pace of imagery and imaging and messaging that you know. Even uh, it, this struck me a couple weeks ago. When I was standing in an airport. I was standing in a terminal in an airport, and you will remember this, Chris. Say, 15, 20 years ago, if we were flying and you're sitting in a terminal, people would talk to each other. Strangers mm-hmm. would talk to each other. Hey, where are you headed? You know. Hey, where are you from? Hey, are you from there? What do you do for a living? It was almost dead silent in the terminal. And I was looking around at the gate, and every person there was staring at a screen. And it's so interesting that as as things have gotten increasingly wireless, we have a harder time unplugging. It's really ironic in a weird way. And Mm -hmm. everyone there was staring at the screens, but not really acknowledging one another, right? And... It's, so that's, I think that's the first problem is that we, we, don't, we don't even know how to have co- like communication anymore. We're, we're constantly looking to be stimulated. We're constantly looking at our screens. So then you go into a place where you have no screens. Well, then it becomes socially awkward because we've been so conditioned to that. Secondarily, you're sitting next to people that you don't necessarily know because we're not really spending as much time investing in other people anymore. We're, we're, kind of, we're becoming, as a culture, far more self-involved far more navel-gazing, I feel. You know, it's more about us. And, and, and this, is, this was funny. It struck me. A few weeks ago, I was, I was texting somebody. My wife said to me, my wife, Melanie, she's a saintly and holy woman, and she can't stand screens. And that's one of the reasons she's so holy, hmm. because she's so present to people. And she said, why are you texting, you know, so-and-so? And I said, well, I just, I just need to tell them a couple things. She said, why don't you call them? I said, I, I just don't want to get in a whole big conversation. I just need to tell them a couple things. And she looked at me, and she says, think about what you just said. And she really, caught, you know, she really caught me, and she called me out, which, which a, a sacrament's supposed to do, is just to call us out of ourselves and help us to focus on Christ and the other. And I said, wow, well, you know, you're right. You see, because what I, what I really was saying in essence was, it's not so much about what that person has to say to me, it's about what I have to say to them. Now, if you take that mentality and you transfer it to our prayer life, no wonder we have such a hard time hearing God. I'm constantly struck after, after, you know, if I'm offering a talk or a mission, just having conversations with people, how often people come up and say, I can't hear God. You know, when I pray, I just don't hear anything. I don't know what he wants me to do. You've said it before, I'm sure. I say it all the time. You know, when you're trying to discern, what does God want from me? What, what, what is he calling me to? Why isn't he speaking to me? Is it that he's not speaking? Or is it that we have, we've lost the art of listening, Mm-hmm. Is it that we're such a text-message-driven culture, it's all about what I have to say. And when prayer becomes a monologue and not a dialogue, when prayer becomes, with a, with a text-happy generation, about what I want to tell God, but we don't sit enough in silence to receive what God wants to give us, if we can't even do that Monday through Saturday, well, how in the heck on Sunday can we think that we're going to be able to receive all that God wants to give us at Mass? If we mm-hmm. haven't been conditioned in our souls to listen and to receive the Lord... Well, Mass is all about reception. I mean, it's not just about what we bring. Yes, we have to bring petitions, bring prayers with us, but it's about what God wants to give us. So if we go in and we we can't receive what God wants to give us through community and fellowship of the people around us because we don't know them, because we're rushing in at the last minute and we don't know them at all, and we haven't gotten to know them. If we can't receive what he wants to tell us in the Word if we haven't even prepared, if we haven't read the word ahead of time, which really helps. But if we get there, maybe we haven't had a chance to read, if we can't receive the truth he wants to give us, the love he wants to give us through his words in the first half of Mass, and we can't receive the love he wishes to give us through the Eucharist in the second half, and especially if we haven't gone to confession, because then we're not in the place where we're able to receive all the love and grace God wants to give us the way he wants to fill us. And then how are we supposed to head back out? Well, you know, you get into Mass what you bring to it. You know, and, and, if we, and if we're, we're coming in with so, with so much noise, if we're coming in with so many things we want to say, which is great, God's happy to listen. But if we're not in a receptive posture at Mass, then what are, what are we preparing ourselves for? What are we really going to be able to give when we go out? And this really is this great reminder to us again – that God wants, he doesn't just want to fill us, he wants us to be overflowing with his life, which we call grace. And Mass is is a, is a powder keg of grace, par excellence. God wants to fill us so full of his life that we are just a fountain, leaking grace and overflowing his grace and his life and his love to everybody that we come into contact with after we leave the doors of Mass.
0: I love it. We're talking with the one, the only, Mark Hart about his book, Behold the Mystery, a Deeper Understanding of the Catholic Mass. And Everything you've just described, Mark, is it's so really, when you talk about it pouring into us, into our hearts and us receiving, it's about, it's about divine intimacy, isn't it?
1: I'm so glad you used that word because intimacy is, is at the root of what God desires from us, not only in prayer, but specifically in the sacraments. You know, we know the sacrament of holy matrimony, it's easy to see where that intimacy is supposed to come in. You know, it's not just the man and the woman, but it's the man and the woman and God. And then the three, the man, the woman, and God are supposed to image the intimacy of the Trinity. But the word intimacy has been hijacked in our modern culture. At least I think it has. And Mm -hmm. it's taken on all sorts of connotations and denotations that it was never really designed to have. The word intimacy is really interesting. It comes from a Latin word, which means to make the innermost known. And... And any married couple who has a prayer life, whether a vibrant prayer life or, or just a, a nominally good prayer life, any married couple who has a prayer life who's honest would be willing to admit, I would say, that prayer between, the, between spouses is just as intimate, if not more so, than, than the conjugal union. Because in prayer, you're not just offering your body, you're bearing your soul. And there's a, there's a different level of vulnerability that comes with that. And there's a beautiful level of vulnerability that comes with that, so much so that it's designed to actually enhance the physical intimacy between a husband and wife, for instance. But that prayer, that intimacy, is what God desires for us because he knows. This is why it says in the Old Testament, you know, I'm a jealous God. Is it because he's threatened by human love and human intimacy? No, it's, he's jealous for us because he realizes that nothing else is going to fulfill us and satiate us the way he can. And he wants the best for us because he is pure love. You know, and, and Mass is this great intimacy, and one of the things that, that I, I, I focus on later on in, in Behold of the Mystery, later on in the book, is to, to kind of offer what not only what Scripture reveals to us, but even what some of the early church with some of the mystics and great saints pointed to in the Mass, and that is that Mass is not just a celebration of the Sabbath, though it is, and it's not just a celebration of sacrifice, though it is, the sacrifice of Christ to the Father on our behalf. And it's not even just a sacrifice of Easter Sunday, although it is, it's not just a celebration of of the resurrection, that every single Mass is a wedding. It's a wedding feast. If you look throughout Scripture, throughout the Gospels in particular, the the analogy that God uses more than any other to explain to us our relationship is that of a husband and wife in in a sacramental marriage. And every single single Mass is a wedding because Christ is the groom, as we know from Scripture, and the Church is, is the bride. And what, it, what, what, what happens at every single Mass? The Church, the Bride, goes forward down the aisle to meet Christ, who is the Groom at the end of the aisle, and then through the consummation of the Eucharist, the consuming of the Eucharist, the two now become one. Why? So that we can go forward and bear fruit. And this is, I, I found, even talking to, to lifelong Catholics, cradle Catholics, it's, it's when you share these realities that the Church is not hidden, but that, that are just plainly written in Scripture, when you point to where these realities come from, it's revolutionary. It's mind, it's mind-changing, soul-altering, life-altering, and, and I love that. I love being able to to, to share this with, with, especially with Cradle Catholics, to say, I never had any idea that that's what was transpiring at Mass. I, I never viewed it through that lens before, and it really is. It, it takes everything that we've known over the years in the liturgy, and it it gives them a it, new, deeper, new, deeper expressive meaning. It, it's, it's almost like breathing fresh oxygen for the first time again. It's absolutely. Life
0: altering. At the end of each chapter, there are wonderful questions there that not only could a group use to have to foster discussion, but there are also great questions that individuals could use to journal and to really kind of deepen in their own uh, prayer time.
1: Well, thank you for saying that, because I'm one of those people that when I read a book, and there's questions, I usually don't read them. I kind of blow on to the next chapter, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really wrestled back and forth with, should I, should I put questions in here? And it was it really was a prayerful decision. I was really praying, saying, God, you know, it, it's going to take more time. Is it really necessary? Is it worthwhile? And I did it exactly for that reason, Chris, because whether you're reading it on your own, this is such a deep mystery that sometimes even when you read it, just to take a question where you have to ask yourself on a personal level, how how, how does this affect me? How do I do I actually really interpolate this? And, and I specifically put them in not only for personal reflection, if, if people like to journal, or they just like to process a little bit slower, um, but I, I put them in specifically, too, for groups, for people that say, hey, whether you have a, a formal book study at your parish, or whether you're just looking for something to do with maybe some, some, some friends, some brothers in Christ, some sisters in Christ, some other couples, some other people from the parish, where you don't have to have a, a formal group leader. You can just say, hey, we you know, the five of us, the ten of us are just gonna just have our own copy. We're gonna read a chapter or two a week, and then we're gonna get together, we're gonna pour a cup of coffee, pour a glass of wine, we're just gonna talk through the questions and and share kind of what my my own Catholic experience has been, you know, and and this is what's been so exciting. There, there, are, there are parishes, there, I, I've had a couple priests call, and they've bought a copy for every single family in their parish. And they're having mm-hmm. nights when, when families can come together, and they'll just discuss different facets. They'll, they'll read two, three chapters at a time. And I got, I got a note from, I got a, note from a, a soldier who's in Iraq, and there are five or six of them, and they don't, have, they don't get to have Mass every week. And it's one of those things that, that I think we just take for granted here in America, you know that, that um, you know so many of us we have access to mass every day. I mean, much less once a week. And it was so great. There was there was a lieutenant in the in the United States Army, and he wrote me and said, "We don't get to have mass except once a month." He said, and "We we listen to your podcast online. It's the, the mass readings. So we've been reading the mass readings together as as a few of us in the unit who are Catholic. We get together on Sunday mornings and we, we read the readings and we listen to the podcast." And he said, and, "And we found your book." And we've been reading through your book and discussing it. He says, and it's so cool because we're Catholics from very different regions and very different backgrounds, but what brings us all together, even beyond the flag, what brings us together is that we're Catholic. He says, and we're sharing, and it's been really, really great for our Catholic community. And I can't even tell you, I, I was speechless, speechless. And that's the power of the mass. The mass unites. The mass unites us beyond time beyond geography, beyond culture, beyond social status, beyond economic status, the Mass, through the last 2,000 years, unites us. It unites us as a people. It's, It's the one thing in the course of the week that unites us so fully with the communion of saints, even beyond just intercessory prayer. It unites us with the saints. And it unites us with those beloved mothers and fathers and grandparents and family members and friends who have gone before us and who are now in the throne room. It unites us all. And as St. Alphonsus said, it's, it's in that time, immediately following the reception of the Eucharist during that Eucharistic meditation, it's in that time, more than any other in the course of the day or the week, that we are closer to God in the flesh, closer to the heart of the Father than we are anywhere else in the week. And we are closer to our loved ones who have gone before us and who are in the communion. There's no place like the Mass, to connect with those that we love who are already with our Lord in Heaven.
0: This makes me want to go to Mass right now. Me too! (laughs) Yeah. Well, Mark, as you're describing all of this, I mean, it really it's one of those things that when you hear especially when it comes out of the God bless them, the mouths of Catholics when they are somehow feeling, well, I'm not really into religion anymore. I'm more spiritual than I am religious. And somehow they've been led away from the beauty of the mass they they feel they're they they're catholic and i but i i just don't go to church anymore there's
1: an analogy i heard one time it was uh there was a ship it was way back when 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 hordes of immigrants were coming from Europe over to America and there was there was a family on a ship and you know they were very very poor family and basically throughout the entire voyage they were just eating they were just eating cheese sandwiches that's all they could afford that's all they had and about the third day of the trip the story goes that the young son he just kind of disappeared for the day he was down below deck and didn't know the dad didn't know where he was and you know late afternoon the son shows up and he's he's eating this huge Piece of turkey, huge chicken leg, you know, and, and just faces covered with food. And the dad says, "Where have you been all day?" But I'm so worried about, she says, "I was eating." He says, well, "What are you talking about? We we can't afford any food on this ship. We we just brought the sandwiches." And he said, "No, dad, don't you understand? You, you have to go down down below deck." He says, "Apparently, the food down below deck is included in the cost of the ticket, and there's this huge buffet downstairs." And this family had been surviving on on these these horrible cheese sandwiches they brought along, never realizing. That below the surface <laughs> that, 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 that they were living on was this magnanimous feast that they just could not, they, that, that would, they, would be, they would be able to eat past their fill. And I love the analogy because I think it's a really worthwhile analogy when you look at the mass. Many of us go into the church and we're just surviving on cheese sandwiches. You know, uh, I'm not sure if it's really Jesus or not, they say it is, but my, my senses tell me it's bread and wine, or, or, you know, I didn't really connect with the preaching, or I didn't really like the music, and, and then oftentimes what, we, what people end up doing is we become roaming Catholics. We kind of go from parish to parish, you know, and we kind of find, until we find the parish that really feeds us, quote-unquote, and to a certain extent, that's understandable, you know, if, it's, if we're not looking for entertainment, but we're really looking to connect with the parish community, that's understandable, but what ends up happening is when people just leave because they, they desire the more obvious. They desire possibly the easier. They desire maybe a little bit more entertainment. Or maybe their souls, they don't feel, are being fed at their Catholic parish. And they're sort of surviving on cheese sandwiches and they say enough is enough. And that's one of the reasons that, that I really felt you know, that when the Spirit was prompting me to, to, to work on and write this book. And when I said yes when I was approached about writing it, not because I'm a theologian or a liturgist, because I have all the answers, because I am that guy that sits in the pew. Wrestling with his own kids, I am that guy who's spiritually ADHD, who you know, for so many years desired that entertainment, and sometimes still does. And I'm that guy who still, you know, I, I, I'm ashamed of it. I still kind of get annoyed when, when, you know, if if the homil- if there's three homilies and it goes really, really long, or if the music is terrible, or if there's a lot of distractions. I, I, in my humanity, I still get annoyed, and I still want to have that sublime encounter of God every time I go to mass. But but, but I wanted to share this because I, I'm I'm sharing not only what God's revealed to me, but what the church has revealed to us, and I'm just approaching. It's very much as I'm just John Q Pugh. I'm the guy sitting right next to you. I don't have 92 masters in liturgy and theology. I'm just a normal Catholic guy, so, you know, going through the same Catholic struggles and life struggles that everybody else is. And but but I've but I've been I've been blessed enough to sit with different. Teachers and priests and theologians and things like that who, who have explained different facets to me where the mass has really kind of come to life now. It's almost like where I was blessed to have someone kind of walk with me below the deck and say, There's more here than cheese sandwiches. There's this whole buffet. And you just have to know how to get down here. And you have to realize that this is all, oh, this is all immediately available to you. It's accessible to you if you are willing to go a little bit deeper, if you're willing to go below the surface. And it's made all the difference in my life. And it, and it's, it's not only made me a better son of God, I hope, but it's making me a better husband, a better father every time I go. And does this mean my, my kids love going to Mass? No, <laughs> you know, but they're getting better. They're getting better at it, and we're making progress. And I think that's what we have to do. We have to make progress. And oftentimes people, you know, it's, it's when, when, when it, it comes to, and it feels like work or, you know, it takes effort, a lot of times people say, well, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to go somewhere else. And, and, and I understand why people leave, but my, my, I'm always imploring Catholics, don't leave. Look again. Mm. Don't leave. There's something more here than you see. You've got to look below the surface. Mm. And, and God wishes to bless you beyond your wildest comprehension but you have to ask Him. Like, asking and seeking and knocking all have one thing in common. You know, Chris, it's, it's effort. That mm-hmm. God wants to see that effort on our part. You know, and it says, it says in James, if we draw near to God, draw, God will draw near to us. And God draws near to us more perfectly and more specifically through the Mass than any other way in creation.
0: And I, I wish I had more time, but at least in closing this out, uh, any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, uh, I guess what I would, what I would say is... Um, you know, we always know, we know the old adage: you get out of it what you put into it. I was n- I was not setting out to write a book that would bore people. I was not setting out to write a book that just uses a lot of big Catholic terms. That uh, in in every in every chapter, I was trying to share a little bit of humor, some fun stories, um, some interesting insights. It's it's the kind of thing that that you you really don't need to have a master's in theology. In fact, it's probably better if you don't um, to read it. Um, I was really writing it for. For anybody and everybody, you know, just to be able to say, "Hey, hey, did you know?" You know, and um, I, I, I was writing it to specifically for my own family members, both the ones who go and get nothing out of mass, quote unquote, that's what they tell me, and for those who left the church, you know, to to say uh, maybe it's time to take a look again, because uh, I have a, I have a heart I have a heart for those souls uh, who who uh, have given up on the church, even when the church has not given up on them and who maybe have given up on God, even though God hasn't given up on them. Um, And all I can say is uh, the Mass is the greatest affirmation of God for us that he could possibly give. For him to say, not only do I love you, but I'm going to humble myself that I might dwell inside of you. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. That's how highly I think of you. There's no more humble expression God could have, and there's no greater affirmation he could give than the Catholic Mass.
0: Beautifully said. Mark Hart. Thank you so very much. So Chris, thank you.
1: Thanks for everything you're doing here on Discerning Hearts. Love the name. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, just thanks for being so faithful. You, You and your husband, Bruce, and your family, thanks for being so faithful to the Church and to the Kingdom. You are an absolute jewel in the crown of the Church. So thanks for all you do.
0: Thank you so much, Mark. With Mark Hart, we've gone inside the pages of Behold the Mystery, a deeper understanding of the Catholic Mass. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to wau.org, the website for its publisher, Word Among Us Press, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this discussion, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join me next time for Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors.